Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at The Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina. They have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? In October, they have the chicken pot pie empanada filled with braised chicken, onion, carrots, peas, and a creamy bechamel sauce. Just perfect for fall. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is actually to get a box of frozen empanadas to take home, and you can find the empanadas box in your favorite food delivery apps. Check them out online at theempanadasbox.com for more information, including catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And as a special offer to listeners to the podcast, they are offering 10% off at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Post Cincy podcast at checkout. They're located at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am very happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the food is just fantastic. Thank you again to the Empanadas Box for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And on this episode of the Postcast, well, we have an awesome one for you. We are reliving and recapping the New York Red Bulls victory, that round one, game one victory over our bitter, bitter rivals. Just an awesome, awesome moment for this franchise and for this fan base. Some amazing bangers to talk about in that one. That's all happening in part one. In part two, it's a little bit of an FCC news roundup. What little bits came out over the weekend? You put all that together, and that's going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I'm joined by the one and only Chief. Chief, how are we doing tonight? Well, I am the one and only because Grayson is now in parts unknown. Maybe still sleeping off that game last night. I have no idea. Or maybe, maybe he was so hurt by the one comment that we got that we may have overindulged in the comic book movie talk at the last episode that you weren't on. Maybe he his feelings were too hurt to continue. I, <laughs> if, I don't know. If you would indulge me for just a moment. I I mean, absolutely no ill will towards this person. I found this utterly hilarious. And in some ways, as I did not attend the, uh, the last episode, I agreed with some of the things that they had to say. Uh, there was an incredible review that was sent to me. Um, <clears throat> just trying to get some FCC content, they decided to listen to the postcast, which I will say, mistake number one, right there. Right. You should have yeah, known going yeah. in. Uh, but they say, holy shit, are they annoying. Every show has 30 minutes of comic book or DC or Marvel discussion. I mean, Jesus, just trying to listen for FCC talk and not that shit. So... <laughs> That was good. Now, I do appreciate, I yeah. do appreciate, if you do wade through the 30 minutes of shit, I will say their interview with Matt Doyle was a lone bright spot once you weeded through all the other crap. So, really what I'm taking from this is, yeah. we talk FCC good. 
Yeah. Yeah, we talk FCC good, but then we get over it. We overindulge ourselves in the lack of an edit button. And let me tell you, honestly, I respect the hell out of you. For those of you that don't know, Kevin does all the editing on this show. When Kevin isn't around, when 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 dad isn't around to supervise the children, you get what you get from me. And that's we'll edit those audio tracks into uh, Logic Pro. We'll slap on the ad reads and the world gets to enjoy the podcast at that point. (laughs) Let her rip. (laughs) Uh, There there was a moment where I was thinking, somebody should move them along. And I thought, I think that's supposed to be me. (laughs) To be you. Yeah, it's supposed to be you. Yeah. It's not my fault. Oh, no. I thought it was lovely. Uh, Just if if I may, brief thoughts. Uh, Zack Snyder did not invent the geography of the DC universe, sadly. Although... I like where you guys' heads were at on that one. Um, and two, I have I have a confession to make. I have well and truly I've I've read The Watchmen. I've read V for Vendetta. Uh, I've read Mouse in college. I've never picked up a comic and read it from front to back in my life. I don't know if that's a common thing or I, an uncommon thing. I've never done it. Yeah. I often wondered who the sicko was in life that was like subscribing and getting the new edition of the comic book delivered to his house (laughs) on a weekly basis. That must have been the rich kid growing up because I certainly didn't have the cash (laughs) laying around to be buying the latest edition of whatever comic it was. And also I was like, I thought about the grave disappointment that like it gets delivered to your house and it's only like this thick and you're done reading it in 20 minutes. And then it's another month before the next one comes out. Just yeah, no. And then just let me know when the box set releases. All right. right. It it feels like one of those things that not on. I love this. The, per, the, the, the people that were mad at the last episode are already like twitching right now. Like how much longer are these assholes going to do it? Are they going to do it to me again this week? Not long, not long. But I do have thoughts on this, which is comic books often feel like to me. Much like Doctor Who, and I will say uh, two of your favorites, wrestling and Star Trek, which is, I'd love to get started now, but I feel like there's almost no point jumping in now. I've missed so much. It's like you don't start listening to Jim Rome now. You've missed it. If you have no idea what the smack off is or what a clone is, you don't have a, you don't stand a chance listening to this show. <laughs> so that's my view on like, reading a modern spider-man <laughs> is bad time to point out i'm also a big doctor who fan i fell off a cliff on that a little bit recently um to that end i do worry that we've become a little too self-referential on this show and that like usually you're supposed to build the big audience and then you know insulate yourself and make right. it hard for new people to jump in we skipped step one, which feels like a very necessary part of this, and, and that's building a big audience. Like, tw- we're just 12, becoming incomprehensible. <laughs> 12 is pretty big, all right? You know? I mean, that's it's bigger than 11. I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> but just to keep the non-soccer talk going, um, if, uh, if anybody has missed uh, the Mr. Show back in the day... Um, a good number of their sketches are still on YouTube, and 24 is the largest number. 
is a fantastic sketch. It's mafiosos sitting around arguing over what number's the biggest number, and the Don has to settle the argument. It's really funny. When, <laughs> when they finish with that, do they get online and start debating how many days there are in a week? <laughs> yeah, right. It's right up there. Bodybuilding.com. Oh my god. Playoff well, soccer, baby. Woo! <laughs> I I almost feel like we have to drag this out just so I can get my vocal cords back up and, and running to to talk about this right? one because oh boy, that was a uh, an exciting night of football at TQL Stadium. Uh Chief, take us through, I don't know, the 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 mental state going into this one confident nervous where were we at nervous yeah i was this is the first nervous. this is the first time in a while i've been nervous ahead of an fc game yeah and i think it was just because i talked myself into this idea that the form was bad that they hadn't played a meaningful game in a while mm-hmm. i we were on a group chat and it was like well they haven't really looked great since the League's Cup break. Like, when was the last time this team really looked great for an extended period of time? Yeah. And, you know, there's the Bapenza stuff going on in the background, and I just, it's the Red Bulls, and I'm, I'm in my head. I am already playing through this game. Like, Christ, they're going to give a goal up early, and all these people are going to flop like dead fishes for the entire game. <laughs> yeah. And... It's just going to be a slog, and we're going to go to PKs, and we're going to lose. So like, there were a lot of dark thoughts yep. that had started to creep in ahead of Saturday. But strangely, once I started walking to the stadium, it was like, all right, we got this. I don't yeah. know what it was. As soon as we got downtown, and the night was right for mm-hmm. this game. It was a little dreary, a little misty. Yeah, It was dark. Felt a little foreboding. I was like, we got this shit. This is, these are the nights that you want to play in a stadium that feels like you would have a difficult time getting out if a mass evacuation had to happen. This is where you (laughs) want to play in a building that feels a little dangerous. Because last night, it looked a little dangerous outside. Yeah, I, like, you're right. The mood was perfect. This was truly like the Halloween game. Like yeah. the mist was settled in. It always felt like it was going to rain the whole time. I I didn't feel much rain on the March and it obviously rained bits and pieces there throughout the match. Um, Huge shout out to everybody wearing creepy LED glow light masks. Uh, those are awesome. That's a vibe. That looks so That's cool a vibe. in the march. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you just see one, you're like, wow, who's that weirdo? But you see like six, seven, eight, you're like, wow, this is all right. This actually builds to something kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And then the photos afterwards where it's just like you see in the mist, all you can see in the yes. mist and the smoke is the LED face mask and then vague shadowy figures. <laughs> It's like this is the purge is about to start. That's what's about to happen right now. And really, that's the mentality you need going into a Red Bull game. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Sound was... the horn. All crime is legal. <laughs> that was that was just incredible. And yeah, I, I had the exact exact same thought process before the game. I'm nervous. I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, at least, you know, game three will we'll be up for it by then. And um, yeah, then marching into the stadium, I'm like, you know what? We got this like this. The the team, yeah. the city, everybody's behind this moment right now. And I mean, the pregame was awesome. 
uh, all the new video packages put together were great. Very well yeah, done. Shout out, shout out to recurring guest Dan McNally. They yes. let him record a new video finally, and that new video slapped. That was phenomenal. It was hype. He turns to the camera and goes, are you ready? And I'm like, oh. yes, Dan, I am ready to run through a brick wall right now. Get me some bricks to run through. This is electric. So good. And, and also, I, I yeah. appreciate, too, that people that do this sort of thing for a living with pyrotechnics and whatnot, they know when a good time to set pyrotechnics off and a bad time to set pyrotechnics <laughs> off is related to how smoke is going to behave. This was about the worst possible time to set pyro <laughs> off. And as a result, I don't think I saw clearly for the first 15 minutes of this match. <laughs> and was, all I could think, yeah. all I could think was, I know how much time and I know down to the dollar how much this TIFO cost. And I was like, no one's going to see this damn thing because the smoke is just hanging in the damn stadium. <laughs> and then as this is happening, they shoot more pyro off. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> the Bailey's setting up their smoke. Yeah, that was, I mean, again, if if visibility wasn't your first concern of watching a soccer match, um, that was amazing. That was so cool. Like yeah. the smoke hanging in there and then the TIFO going up. So you got the the sick drawing, uh, the design put together by a tattoo artist. I know, Chief, you know a little bit more about this than I do. Um, the three panels came together really, really well. Some lessons learned, I think, on how heavy paint is, which is a thought you never have until you're trying to hang a TIFO. No, <laughs> no it's, here's a fun yeah. fact about painting a TIFO and making a TIFO. And that's it. If you've ever picked a paint bucket up when it's full yeah. and a paint bucket up when it's empty, you notice quite a difference in weight. If you put all that paint onto fabric, it still weighs that much. <laughs> all that weight doesn't disappear when the paint goes on something. It all, it all goes on to whatever it is you are painting. And that's fine when it's one paint bucket, when it's like a hundred paint buckets, fucker gets real heavy real quick. <laughs> yeah, because my dumb brain thinks, oh, it's color on cloth. Like I have blankets that have lots of colors on them. They're not heavy. You know, you, you confuse no. the idea of dyeing something and painting something and they are radically different. <laughs> right. And it's it's not until this moment that you realize, man, my walls are really doing a great job holding all this weight up on my house. <laughs> There's a lot more going on than you realized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Physics. I wish I'd paid attention in school. I just didn't. And it leads to a lot of embarrassing <laughs> moments where things tear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say the TIFO, one, incredible design. FCC, I think, has had vastly underrated designs throughout all of the years, but this was a particularly great design. And then two, probably the best execution of the rigging system we've seen. I can't think of another one that was cleaner, fuller, you know, no, no sagging parts there, no rips and tears that I could see. Well done, everybody. Well done. Yeah, it was the best use of the rigging system, I think, since probably that first one we used the rigging for with the Samurai Jack, where they yeah. had like the. But that was also a really small part that was on the rigging, so it kind of was a little bit of a yeah. cheat in that regard. But no, I thought it all it all added up to incredible vibes going into the game. I was hype. The entire stadium felt hype. I was worried a little bit about the crowd size. 
before the match but by the time everybody started to filter in and it just it was it was good everything about the pregame was good um it even successfully convinced me not to panic over the fact that uh nick Haglin was out of the lineup and santiago arias was out of the lineup and that we had a a ray gaddis start in a meaningful fc cincinnati match (laughs) didn't care about all that in the moment it was we we were ready to go it was electric it was an electric factory inside tql stadium in that moment i don't know was the i was in the bailey so everything always seems a lot more hype in the bailey kevin i know you're a nomad now a man without a home a person with no season ticket package you've spurned my generous offer to join my group with my extra seat i know uh where were you sitting and how did the energy feel for you Mm. in that pregame moment this uh this becomes a tricky question for me to answer. Uh let's say I had purchased tickets. Where were your seats located? <laughs> where the where were your ticketed seats located during this time period? Okay, great, great question. I can there answer that perfectly. Uh that would have been exactly opposite the Bailey. Um in the uh, upper deck, row five. Lovely, just perfect vantage point. If I had watched the game there, it would have been great. Um, <laughs> and yes, no, the uh, the Bailey was incredible for this for this match. Like it's been a while since I've heard the Bailey this hype for a game like this. I I'd go back to maybe the Open Cup semifinal, but sadly that that crowd was so watered down as as we all were annoyed by it didn't quite have the same pop that this crowd did and yeah i think you got to go back to maybe hell is real maybe the nashville game but again like to have a game like that with this these stakes like i almost go back to the 2017 open cup like columbus chicago new york games because that's when that's when you truly felt like every FCC fan in the stadium is living and dying on every touch. And that's what this game felt like. And then you add to that, finally, a giant Bailey, not something we ever had at Nipper. Bailey was incredible, man. Like it was in full force the whole night. It was, it sounded awesome. Yeah. And I think it also helped too, that this, um, and we'll get into it as we talk about the game. It helped that, the team got the scoring started early enough that the negative, the nervous energy yeah. didn't take hold because the one memory I have about the last time I was at a game at an FC Cincinnati game where the stakes felt really real, the, the Miami game was up there. But other than that, there were the this games with stakes. I just always remembered that nervous energy sitting there waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to happen. In this one, Mm -hmm. you didn't have to wait long in terms of, oh, they are who we thought FC Cincinnati is who we thought they were. Yeah. And that's that's really the storyline of this this first game one was FC Cincinnati, I like to think like just exercising lots of demons, right? The form narrative, gone. New York Red Bulls as a boogeyman team, gone. Uh, this team can't turn it off and turn it back on when they want to, gone. Um, this team needs goal production and can't win every game one to nothing, gone. Like, this was an incredible game to get 
all of that out of the system. And on top of that, like you said, early goal followed up pretty quickly with another goal, another incredible goal. We got some memorable goals in this one. And it just it set the scene for just a party atmosphere. I'll say for most FCC games, this is sort of like an interesting barometer for me. I always start a stopwatch on my phone or my watch uh, to track the extra time. So the are the you know the added time or whatever at the end. Didn't do it for either half in this game. Nope. Like didn't need to. <clears throat> didn't care. Let it happen. This game was well and truly in control. Not to say Red Bull didn't have their chances. They they certainly did. But this game was under control from about 15 minutes in. Really, once the smoke cleared. And it <laughs> stayed that way. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good feeling. Um, like I said, the the lineup was interesting, I thought. The, the the two big things that sort of stood out to me was Santiago Arias out of the lineup. I think we expected yeah. that based on some of Noonan's comments mm-hmm. uh, to Tommy G earlier in the week. The other big missing piece was Aaron Bapenza, and that was also a question mark. But was I wrong? I kind of assumed that once they made the statement to the media that they'd buried the hatchet, that he'd apologized to the team He'd apologize to the coaching staff for his whatever error he made. And I don't think we're still clear on exactly where the breach in protocol was um, and to what degree it was. But once they said that he buried it, I thought for certain, well, that meant he's starting this game. But he is he's on the bench and Dom Baji's on the field for the first half. Yeah, I I would. And I I feel like you can't dig into this more without getting more into like the almost the interpersonal politics of the team. But I'd be curious to know if him not starting was a part of the punishment and not to say that like he's still being punished. Oh my gosh, this is unresolved, but just, Hey man, you're sitting out this game and you're not starting in the playoff game one. Like that's the punishment. And then he comes back and, and, you know, throws up his apology or if it was tactical, maybe Baji provides something against, the Red Bulls, which we saw plenty of fight from Baji against the Red Bulls. Uh, but maybe there was something in particular with that matchup that they preferred. Or, I mean, honestly, Baji was doing really good before he got hurt. He's come back from injury. He's continued to look really good. I don't wonder if there isn't an element of playing the hot hand. I know you don't want to do that when Bupenza is worth as much as he is, but knockout soccer comes calling. I don't care if the homegrown kids beat you out of your spot. You're playing your best 11. So, um, right. And if yeah. that's the, if, if that's the case, honestly, yeah. good on Pat Noonan, because that's a level of having balls that I probably wouldn't have in his position where that I'm going to play a hot hand over a guy I asked ownership and ownership opened the wallet up for man. Yeah. And you know what the, what's fun about it is it was, it was totally vindicated in how Baji played this game. And in some of the biggest moments in this game, uh, Dom Baji was central to what this team did. And I know Ray Gaddis is the one that pushed buttons, but in terms of pushing buttons in this game, you're not going to find more a bigger button pusher than Dom Baji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this game truly had <clears throat> a lot of what we come to expect with a New York uh, Red Bull matchup with FCC. 
tons of cheap fouls. And I'll say both ways. You know, FCC was in no yeah. way immune to this. Um, there was plenty of, you know, after the the pass is made, the uh, uh, the passer getting their ankles clipped or an extra shove in the back or whatever. But you know what? Uh, Good. Yeah. Good. Yes. This is how you play. This is how you have to play a team that's a they're they're bullies. And yes, there's a lot of different ways to be bullies. Like you can be physically intimidating as a bully. You can, you know, beat kids up for their lunch money. But part of being a bully in terms of soccer is you are dictating the flow of the game. You are enforcing your will and you are causing the game to be played on your terms. And I like the fact that in this game, the the FC went into this game knowing what they were going to do, knowing what they were up against. And there was a very, correct me if I'm wrong and you saw this game differently. There was a concerted effort, I thought, in this game for FC Cincinnati to play physically. Mm-hmm. that they were going to match New York in terms of physicality. And that meant going up and being physical, challenging for 50-50 balls. When you were coming in to make a tackle, physically attacking the opposing player while making a tackle, we're going to fight through the body. We're going to fight through contact. And if they have to call a shitload of fouls on us, that's fine. But they're going to know that we're here all night. And I liked that. I liked that as a mentality for this team. Yeah. And I mean, it's so funny. And I was I was on, dare I say, 700 WLW talking about this as well, which is the format of the playoffs is dumb. I think everybody can agree with that. (laughs) However, I keep coming back to this. The format is really nice for FC Cincinnati. So one of the big things is the yellow card accumulation. That has killed FCC all year. With the yellow card accumulation, assuming they can win this in two, which based on what we saw, I feel very possible. There should be no concern for anybody missing any playoff games for yellow card accumulation through the MLS playoffs. And that opens up the ability for this team to play even more aggressive. You can let Miazga uh, get in people's faces. You can let Acosta scream and shout at the ref all you want. Mosquera and Obi can do their things out there. It's just... It's so good to see that this team has kind of had a, I don't know, a leash taken off and they can they can kind of do their, their own thing there. And yeah, I completely agree. FC Cincinnati was pressuring the ball and was pressing and playing physically against Red Bull and essentially doing to Red Bull what they normally do to other teams. And it rattled them. I don't think sure. they were expecting it at all. They no. look shook, especially after the first goal. But man, I but even leading I'll, up to yeah. the first goal, um, it was an inversion of the way I think Red Bull wanted this game to go. That with the first 25 minutes of this game, the possession numbers were radically in favor of FC Cincinnati. 75, 25, 70, 30, somewhere mm-hmm. in that regard at the first half of the first half. Um And a large part of that was just a commitment to physically pressuring any time New York got the ball into its midfield. And from jump, I understand this is is not the conventional wisdom out there, but my man of the match for this game was was Obina Wobodo. 
He mm-hmm. was, you want to talk about someone who was unleashed and told to go out there and play as physically as you possibly can. He was out there playing physical, annoying, pestering, questioning soccer the entire match. And it started right from whistle. And he pretty much single-handedly stopped New York from ever having sustained offensive pressure in the first half. And it wasn't until the game was basically out of reach that New York finally started to generate decent chances. And that's because they pulled back a little bit in the second half. But while this game Mm -hmm. was in the balance, Wobodo was a force in this game. Absolute one-man human disaster for the midfield for New York. It's incredible watching him play, and I know we'll touch on this a little bit, but you can see why other clubs in other parts of the world were interested in him because one of the big things he does is he just he wins tackles he's not supposed to like you right. you look at the challenges he makes the ball you know pops out there's no reason why he is able to get to that and he gets to it and it, it it's just incredible he is essentially playing the game of two midfielders and it opens up everything else for the rest of this team to where yeah you can have a Ray Gaddis on the outside and this team doesn't look like it's missing a beat. Incredible stuff. So here's my a question. And this is like food for thought because there's no real answer for this. Mm. What would it take to finally recognize someone like him as an MVP candidate for this league? Because like <sighs> if 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 Berkey in St. Louis was getting MVP chatter because of all of the goals he saved and the difference that he made, why in the hell is Obina Wobodo, who is universally regarded as the best defensive midfielder in MLS, there's just not enough counting stats that you can put up a gaudy case for him. But I mean, God, he is he is yeah. every bit as integral to what this team is doing as like an N'Golo Conte was for Chelsea when they were winning Champions League and they were competing for the Premier League title. And it's just it's it's infuriating that it's always a yeah, but with him. It's like, oh, yeah, he, he's one of the best players in MLS, but he's not an MVP candidate because he doesn't score goals. That's nonsense. It's right. utter nonsense. And I feel like people treat him as like, I don't know, like older than he is like. He's like 27. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, he's not, you know, 33 or something. And he had this long career in Europe. Like I am genuinely concerned that a European team doesn't come in and offer a King's ransom for him. And like FCC virtually just has to say yes. Like it'd be too hard to turn down $20 million for OB because I genuinely think he could be playing champions league football for a good team. Yeah, he wouldn't be the star of that team, but he'd be hard pressed to find like a team in Italy that couldn't use an OB in the midfield, just absolutely destroying buildups before they happen. So that I, skill travels. Think, that skill set yeah. travels, and it's it's to a large degree it's league agnostic. It, no matter what league you're playing, and the ball goes through the midfield, and he just has an instinct and a view of the game that is sublime, and. Yeah. God, this team would be would be lost without him. It's a, the stats and the numbers from before Obina Wobodo comes to Cincinnati and after <laughs> yeah. are staggering in terms of goal differential, win loss record, anything you can count as a stat. The before and after Obi stats are are unbelievable. Yeah, especially when you consider Brenner, Lucho, uh, Barial. 
Vasquez, they were all here well before Obi, well before, in some cases, two seasons before. So, right. yeah, it, it very much comes down to him, which is also just, again, infuriating that Nykamp never signed like a good defensive midfielder. But all right, I, neither here nor there. Um, right. So <clears throat> the game... I, I I don't know. Should we talk about the first goal? Is that where we're at with this? Let's one? talk about let's talk about the first goal because there's some there's some points that are related to the first goal that I think are interesting. The goal scorer yeah. is Alvaro Barial in this case, which is I didn't have the game script drawn up like this in my head, but in hindsight, I can't think of a more perfect game script than for Barial to be the person that scores the first home playoff goal that really just sort of sets this in motion and. Yeah, he is a simultaneously a and and he's a uniquely situated individual in FC Cincinnati lore. He is not a product of the Albright Noonan regime, but he is very much a product of the Albright Noonan regime (laughs) because it wasn't until they came here that they kind of unlocked not so much the talent because he'd always flash talent. Like whenever you'd watched Alvaro Barrial, you were always like, "Oh yeah, this guy's really good at soccer." But what they did was they enabled him to play at a consistency level to where the baseline of performance from Barrial elevated to the point that when he reaches crescendo moments, they're world-class moments as opposed to just being very good. And the baseline is now very good when he plays. And so, yeah, him coming in off the flank, uh, just ripping a missile right by the keeper who probably should have done a little better on that shot, but yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not going to take anything away from Alvaro <laughs> on that. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the script. I didn't know I needed to see for this game. Yeah. It, it, like it's funny too, because so much of the season going into the season, this was Brandon Vasquez's team. And then as the season goes along, it was, Oh no, this is Lucho's team. And it does feel like as the season is, is, heading towards its conclusion this is barrio's team now it is still lucho's team or it's the argent it's the argentinians team it's yes. lucho it's lucho and barrio <laughs> together it's their team i think is i i agree with your take yeah i don't want to take it i don't want to take it a step further that you're willing to go to and completely have lucho erasure right here but no it's he's definitely come into his yeah. own as a part of this and this goal is great <laughs> I mean, obviously, right? FCC scored a goal. Um, but you mentioned before, Baji's there for big moments. This play really starts with Barrio playing a 1-2 with Baji and then playing what becomes a 1-2 with Moreno, uh, un- unleashing him, uh, releasing him in- into the box there. Uh, what's great, too, is Baji is making virtually the identical run just behind Barriel, which I always love when FCC does. It's just like if Barriel slips for whatever reason, we got a guy there ready to go as the backup plan. And like you said, left-footed shot across the goal. It, the angle doesn't make any sense. There's no reason why this should have been a goal or why he should have hit this this way. And it is. And it's just an incredible moment uh, for the team and for the fan base. Like that first shalala in the Bailey, man, it hit something different. That first yeah. home shalala, that was great. <laughs> you got to 
you got 3,000 people up in the Bailey, and all the thought is going into this moment is, Christ, I don't want to get into a one-goal game with and with Red Bulls. I don't want this to be scoreless going into the second half. Yep. I don't want to go down to this team. And like in that moment, he blasts that goal in, and it's like a tension-breaking moment. Like, oh, thank God. At the very least, they're going to have to score two to beat us tonight. Yeah. And I just don't see that happening with the kind of defensive intensity this team had up until that goal. And I love that you uh, I love I love the pointing out that there was multiple two man games that went into setting this goal up because it was an example of we found it infuriating through long stretches of the season that FC Cincinnati's attack would look to play the perfect pass mm-hmm. as opposed to just blast at the goal and see what happens or do something. And this was an instance where, yeah, they played a lot of one touch, very precise passes and it absolutely worked to perfection, which proves don't ever listen to us for any sort of soccer analysis whatsoever, because that was nope. awesome. And also not to note, Junior Moreno had a horrendous night passing the football last night. It was really bad at stretches where someone next to me was shouting, pass it to our guys, God damn it. And I was like, yeah, that's a very succinct way of saying what's going on here. But in this moment. Just when he needed to be at his best, Moreno, in all of his blonde glory, was absolutely at his best. And you have to love that they immediately went to do the Dragon Ball Z celebration with the two people with the bleach blonde hair. Yes. Perfection. No notes. It's it's clear that they they went super saiyan, right? Like that is that is the right. message that they are trying to send to everybody. <laughs> that was right. And just incredible. What what is wonderful? What's wonderful about it is that there were so many guys on this New York Red Bull team that were desperate to be the the villain in this game. Yeah, that were just they were looking for it. And there's a couple of people that just you you gotta you know shout out by name, uh, John Tolkien. Yes, if you're not aware who John Tolkien is, I'm I'm happy for you that you don't have to know what an insufferable douchebag this guy is. But the entire match to this point, he was looking for a reason to be the villain in this game. He yes. dives, falling down out of nowhere. And by scoring that goal, you rob him of the ability to be a villain. Frankie Amaya, got our, our yes. old little diminutive friend Frankie, was dying to be a villain in this game. <laughs> Couldn't do it as a result of going down early. Uh, there was a guy on the back line for you for New York, Sean Nealis, yes. uh, desperate in this game to be a villain. And you can't do what they want to do when you're losing the soccer match. That goal that Barrial scored ruined the nights of all of these people. And I couldn't be happier about it. It was... It was so nice. Like <laughs> just everything, everything came together for them. <clears throat> and yeah, it was, it was game on at that point. And you only had to wait about 10 more minutes before FCC oh. goes up again. And this, the second goal is again, one to remember just a, uh, this is, a, a quick this is clearance. One, wh- Yes, yeah, this please. is one like you see this happen on TV. Yeah. I've never been at a soccer game where this has happened live. Have you? <laughs> no. Um, 
No, I've always seen the attempt, and I always love the attempt, and I'm always the guy shouting in the crowd, shoot it, when the guy's at midfield and the keeper's really far out, so I just right. love the thought, right? <laughs> so, so um, Obi does what is essentially a desperation clearance, just trying to get the ball uh, out of the, uh, the, the, the FCC's third of the field. Uh, it bounces... Awkwardly, uh, Baji and Lucho are crashing on the ball, and I don't remember who uh, who was the one that actually did this. Hang on, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. It was uh, Reeves uh, for New York Red Bull. It's worth calling out here because he's the one who ends up trying to head the ball back to the from the midfield in this case, <laughs> like from midfield. My, my man's. My man's was grossly overestimating the strength of his neck and head muscles because that's strong. (laughs) That's that's a really like when somebody tries to head a shot from like outside the six yard box. I'm always like, that's ambitious. There's no way you're putting enough power on that. My man's tried to head the ball back to his keeper from the midfield circle. Like I respect the fuck out of the fact that you thought you could do that. But that was a terrible decision. And like. (laughs) The keeper was already out of the box, so the need to head it isn't really there because he can't pick it up with his hand. So you could have like let the ball come over your shoulder and kick it, or also just like kick it out of bounds if you're that worried about the situation there, or head it out of bounds. I feel like he he had a better chance of that happening. I I don't know, but he heads it, puts the keeper into a deadly one v one situation with Don Baji. Baji and the keeper basically collide shins. The ball tumbles out into midfield where there is nobody there except one Lucho Acosta who takes a moment to collect himself and just punch the ball into a wide open net. Nobody even in the 18 yard box from either team. And it is just a glorious, glorious goal. FCC is up two to nothing. If New York is going to win this one, it's going to take them three goals. And it's just party in the Bailey, man. Like oh, that, it's, a de- it's, it's, a de- it's a demoralizing <laughs> goal. Because it falls to the feet of the one guy, the one guy on the field who you absolutely know practices this (laughs) shot on a regular basis. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Lucho spends time at practice and we'll have to ask Evan sometime when he's on for a vibe check. But like (laughs) there's no doubt in my mind. Lucho takes half court, half court shot practice on a regular (laughs) basis. And he looks up and in. All he's thinking is, this is a little trick I've never done before, but I'm happy. (laughs) This is a little trick I've been destined to do. And what was great about it, too, is it would have been one thing if he just would have fired one and it would have, you know, sailed into the net. But it it comically bounced at about the six yard box and slowly (laughs) trickled in in slow motion. And it was just. I'm so happy that shot happened at the Bailey. And yes. not further on down the field where I could see this coming and the bounce and then all oh, they're, they're screwed on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moment to collect himself to make sure he nails it is so awesome because he knows the second that ball is bouncing out that that ball is going in the back of the net. And instead of just like trying to hit it one touch, he does give himself the moment to settle <clears throat> and honestly had tons of space to do it 
it was just so good. That like that's again, and and we'll we'll touch on this in a little bit. But if you're looking for the cherry on top of the MVP argument, it's a goal like that. It's a it's a moment like that yeah. in a knockout round in a in a playoff game that you need your your captain, your MVP candidate to step up and he delivers. Delivers exactly what you'd expect. The interesting thing about it too is this I learned something as a result of this play, Kevin. I it turns out mm. I'm not all knowing. I can still learn things about sports, about life. For example, I learned as a result of this because after the match was over, I'm I'm a numbers guy. I went and I looked and I was like, oh, the XG in this game actually was fairly close. What gives with that? It, it turns out that XG is only computed based on where a shot is taken from and doesn't factor in anything else. Like there's no keeper in the net. So <laughs> the XG of Lucho taking that shot and just YOLO balling it directly when the keeper is in net and firmly able to collect it. The XG from that is the exact same as shooting with a wide open net from that distance. You don't get a bonus for the keeper's positioning or anything like that. So according to XG, that was an incredibly low percentage shot that Lucho took in that situation. I And honestly, good. <laughs> yeah good Take cry more, more about those. it cry more about it someone <laughs> nerds i i was always under the impression that it did take into account the the keeper so that is news to me if that is indeed what is happening interesting i know there's also this is the one that kills me there's like different models of xg it's not like batting average where it's like a math equation there's different right. models and so depending on what website you're looking at, you can have radically different XG things. Very stupid. People are trying real hard to put these beautiful stats on the sport. You know what we we should do? This would be great. We should start our own version of XG. (laughs) And it should just be when we watch it. Yeah, I think he should have made that. And if I think he should have made that, it's a one. And if I don't think he may, I should have made that. It's a zero. Yeah. <laughs> Do the XG like that. Where the XG for this game was fifteen to two. I don't understand why they didn't. <laughs> they didn't route them. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the old KLR bit. Uh, you know what I would have done in that situation, right? It's <laughs> I would have just <laughs> shot it down into the left, and it would have been a goal. So yeah, we'll measure XG right. on that. It's like, it's like <laughs> watching the NFL game. It's like man. I wouldn't have thrown an interception there. I think he should have thrown someplace else. Yeah, that was bad. That guy was right there ready. As the the first half is wrapping up, Chief, I don't know if you saw this, Dom Baji and is it Sean Nealis? Sean Nealis, the aforementioned Sean Nealis, who again was looking to pick a fight this entire game. And And boy, did he. (laughs) Boy, did he. He also had like probably saved a third goal from being scored moments before this happened where I think it was Barial and I forget who else was coming down and fed an incredible pass through to Brandon Vasquez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Nealis went full on, stretched out as far as he could uh, to make a stop, looking like he pretty seriously injured himself on the play, which to be fair – also happened to Lucho Acosta midway through this game where he slipped on the turf and I was convinced Lucho had pulled up lame and we were on oh. another like 
you know, Kimo von Olhoff and Carson Palmer situation. But so Nealis was had a bum wheel, had already conceded two goals. And you know what? Dom Baji found himself at the exact right place at the exact wrong time. (laughs) Some unflattering photos got taken as a result of this. And uh, well, (laughs) reading back, the Red Bulls fans were pretty big mad that a red card wasn't issued here. I didn't see red card worthy conduct. I'm shocked that he didn't get a card at all for this. Uh, yeah. But VAR checked it and we you know my position on VAR. VAR is always right. So <laughs> we've we've always been huge fans of VAR in this this podcast. So <clears throat> uh yeah, if VAR didn't find anything, nothing bad happened. Uh I will just say from my vantage point, um it absolutely looked like he closed fist punched that dude. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you think there's a certain aspect of that that you know you get one free punch against the Red Bulls because they kind of always have it coming? You know, I I had this thought. I actually had this thought right before we hit record here. If the league, or at the very least, the referee gave the Red Bulls a talking to and said, hey, I know you how you guys normally try to do this in games and I'm not going to allow it. What would the Red Bulls have done differently? Or how would the game have played out? I think the game would have played out something like this. Like, it does feel like somebody talked to them. They did, like, dare I say, the good parts of Red Bull soccer, which is, like, very physical, high-pressing, very annoying, but like it wasn't the time wasting. There wasn't the fake injuries. Now, obviously, they're losing most of the game. So it I mean, there was the time where, where where John Tolkien just threw himself, <laughs> like full on WWE style, taking a bump <laughs> when nobody touched him whatsoever. That was well, you know, you're gonna have one true. or two of yeah, these. You know, it's like you got to let them have their fun, I guess. It did, it, but it did feel like that they were taken down a notch and ideally that's what early goals do for you. And we get another early goal next Saturday and maybe all of our nightmares don't come true there, but yeah, but, but I, I, don't know. I do wonder in this moment for Baji, I do wonder if, okay, you know how we complain, we complain all the time. How do the refs allow this to happen? How do the refs allow this to happen? Maybe the refs allow it to happen because the league has said something like, you know, this is a, this is a valid style of play. And maybe there's a few officials out there that just don't agree with the league mandates and they'll let you get a free punch on one of their guys for being frustrated. I mean, yeah, that's a fair trade, I think. Right. We can just deck one of their guys like we'll put up with all your shenanigans. And you're flopping around, but one of you is getting punched tonight. I wonder if Red Bull would make that trade, actually. <laughs> don't tell us who it'll be, but you right. get one you get one free shot. If that's actually true, <laughs> I really want Matt Miazga. Really want him just to deck John Tolkien. Or can you imagine what kind of an ovation Yerson Mascara would have gotten if he just would have cold cocked Frankie Amaya at the mid at the midfield line? Just decked him like a sack of potatoes. And then, you know, took his jersey off, threw it off Antonio Brown style, and took his red card up three to nothing. Like a fucking legend in this town for the rest of time. I uh, I can't remember the FCC player, and maybe it was Opie, uh, but there's a fantastic photo going around of uh, Frankie falling with just the most like pitiful, I'm hurt face as he's about to fall into the ground, and th- there's an FCC player standing behind him with the most 
aggressive that's what you get you little shit look on their face i I will dig it up but man it's such a good picture Um, all right so you were a part of our our wandering opus of um (laughs) of discussion about this last week where do you fall on i i staked out a very important what i thought was a very important take that we need to be better we need to move on from the Frankie Amaya hate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's time. It's time. We're clearly better than he is. We've proven that he made a mistake trying to leave. And it's all well and good. But in the playoffs, we're, we're focused on hating New York. We don't hold individual grudges. I personally had pledged walking into this game that I would not boo Frankie Amaya. That lasted 30 seconds. I was going to say, did you boo? So I made it (laughs) for 30 to 60 seconds. I I was the better man and I resolved to be better. And then I failed because I am a mortal and I have needs and my need to hate is stronger than my need to love. It's a toxic personality trait. I'm working on it. Um, But where do you stand on the, were you excited that the booze for Frankie Amaya continued despite my plea to the contrary? I Where are we on this? I was very happy to see that the the postcast does not have great influence over the fan base because it's a terrifying thought uh, that everybody did still boo Frankie. And I agree with them. You know, I, I think even I said after winning the Supporter Shield, we didn't need to boo Frankie anymore, that we we finally vanquished that demon. But no, I don't think so. I think he gets to hear it for the rest of his career. I think this is this is like if Corey Dillon went to the Steelers and played for seven more seasons. You let him have it for the rest of his career, man. Like, and what's great is Amaya is. I mean, I'm not here to to blow smoke up anybody, but he's pretty good. He's not that good, which means he's gonna be in MLS for a long time. He's fairly young, so we might right. have like. 15 years of this. <laughs> I want to give a special shout out to the uh, the Pride Cincy, the, whoever the <laughs> admin was that put this up, because oh, it yes, is the perfect yes. take about Frankie Amaya. I'm just going to read this, this tweet <laughs> please, directly. Please. It's a pretty special thing that FC Cincinnati's first draft pick was on the pitch for the first MLS playoff win, the first MLS trophy celebration, and the first playoff win at TQL Stadium perseverance (laughs) (laughs) it's so good (laughs) and then the follow-up the first response to this tweet is just a photo of frankie sort of sadly walking as orange smoke is being set off in the background (laughs) (laughs) i've changed my mind boo this boo this douchebag for this scumbag for the rest of time whatever yes especially playing for red bulls yeah like there's Literally, as Red Bulls or Columbus, he could have gone to. And it just, it adds to the rivalry. And again, like, they upset the Supporter Shield presentation night. We got this stupid best of three thing. Like, they're always there, man. They're always there. Every big moment of this club, they're always just hanging around. Right. So, with that in mind, too. um, All right, do we want to talk about the rest of the game, or do we want to get existential right now? Because we score another... But Bariel scores another absolute just banger let's, of a goal in the second half. That yes, <laughs> where the ball is played over to him by um, I think Acosta plays the ball over to him, or was yeah. it? Uh, yeah, Acosta. It was plays Acosta the ball. plays the ball over to him, 
and then Barrio kicks it up to himself, almost mm. like doing like an and one street ball trick about to dunk, kicks it up to himself and then volleys his own pass <laughs> to himself and just embarrasses the keeper from another absolutely absurd, preposterous angle that he scores from. And the man on his can't, left foot, yeah. Ugh. The man can't score routine goals. Is that a <laughs> knock on Alvaro Barrial that he just can't do the routine goal? It's a, it's the bangers only rule with uh, Barrial. Yeah, you uh, you see it in the youth leagues sometimes when a team is up, you know, six nothing, seven nothing. They might tell their players, "Hey, headed goals only, volley goals only. Everybody has to touch the ball once before you score." Right. It really feels like, yeah, you're up two nothing. You're late in the game. Hey guys, volleys only. Let's not embarrass them. We don't get any points for beating them. Three to nothing right. versus two to nothing, and, and Barrial took him up right. on it. It's like you're you're setting up a multiplayer match on Goldeneye. It's slappers only. It's golden yes. gun only. Yes. It's piss missiles only from the corner. Like <laughs> it's incredible too that he is nominated for the Puskas Award and then does a goal like this. Like I think in another year this could have been a nominee as well. Like it is genuinely that good that Acosta Acosta wins the ball back. So it's an interception uh, right. I don't know, 20 yards out, right? 25 yards out. And he is just like lobs it over to Barrial. And it's just such like a desperation to turn something out of what had previously been a broken play, winning the ball back immediately, counterpressing. Dare I say, Gagan pressing what Red Bull is built on. Uh, Lucho does that to Red Bull, lobs it to Barrial, and, and it turns into this incredible lobbed or volleyed goal. Um, yeah, man. Like this was this was everything that we had been hoping for. And then to finish the game off with the clean sheet, which was important. Uh Roman had a couple of amazing saves in this one. Uh one in particular through traffic that he yeah. laid down on, on for a little bit. Yeah. On a deflected shot. It was mm. funny too. As soon as we'd been debating, me and my buddy Eric were debating in the Bailey how much stoppage time we thought we were going to get stuck with at the second half. And the core, right. the joke was as much as it's going to take New York to store two more goals in this. And so right. we were kicking around like eight, nine minutes for no reason other than we just thought we were going to get screwed. And as soon as that goal from Barrial went in, we looked at each other. It's like, yeah, three, four. <laughs> They're right. gonna, no one's sticking around for this one. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, just the perfect end to the night. The shalalas going off. And yeah, man, like that was one of the happiest I've ever been leaving TQL Stadium. It goes down already as one of the biggest wins in FCC history. And yeah, yeah like from this the, from, was incredible. From, from start to finish, the supporters' shield leading the march. Yes. Um, to the final whistle. It was one of those games where it was a Sunday night. It was a work night. I had to go to work today. Yep. The, my friends and I were still like, we can't go home right now. We got to go find a bar and get another <laughs> beer. That's when you truly know you've had a great experience at a sporting yes. event or a terrible experience at a sporting event. When you look at each other and goes, I need a drink after that. I can't just go home. Like we got to yep. go find someplace to get a, a celebratory one or four as the case yeah. may be. Eh, you know, who's, who's so, counting? <laughs> so here's my big picture question on this for you. Please, let's get existential. Right. This is a rivalry. Yeah. This is absolutely a rivalry. It's time to acknowledge it as a rivalry. It's missing a name. 
What is the name of this rivalry between FC Cincinnati and New York Red Bulls? I want this to be for two reasons. Number one, I think once you give it a name, yeah. it is official. And number two, it will piss the ever-living hell out of Nashville fans that there's a rivalry name for New York and Cincinnati, but we <laughs> haven't bothered to name the rivalry, the alleged rivalry with them. I, In particular, because I know Philadelphia likes to claim they have a rivalry with Red Bull. I don't think it has a name. They have the Hudson River Derby or whatever with New York City FC, because, of course, that was going to always have one. Um, oh, man, I like this question a lot. I do say I don't want it to do anything with energy drinks. I think that's silly. silly. I don't want to acknowledge that they're a brand advertisement and not an actual club. Um. Yeah. Ah. Oh, there's. There's so much. Like you have the Frankie Amaya story. You now have, I think, an underrated part of the story, the Matt Miazga story that he comes back to MLS and he joins FC Cincinnati instead of New York Red Bull, thanks to a masterful manipulation of the uh, the allocation order there. Man. Ah. Oh, we need a good one though. Like this is. Hit, hit us up in the Discord or hit us up in the Please. comments if you've got an idea for this. Because that is that is the next step here. The next step truly is, is that we need a name for this. It's real. It's, there's genuine, it feels like there is genuine dislike between these two teams as well. Between the current iterations of players on both teams. Which oh. I think also fuels a rivalry. Absolutely. And it's funny too when you like... You see it every once in a while where like uh, I've especially seen it in the NFL where they'll ask uh, the players like, hey, what team do you hate playing against? So it'll be like Kansas City Chief uh, will say like, oh, yeah, I really hate uh, playing the Giants. You know, like what? Like, yeah, we played them like three times so far. Absolutely hate those guys. Like, all right. I like, never yeah. would have thought of that, but Let's sure, go. <laughs> like there's some animosity there. Yeah. Uh, before this one, Lucho uh, said in, in uh, one of his press conferences that um, he didn't want to say too much because he didn't want to get in trouble, but he really doesn't like playing New York Red Bull because they don't like to play. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love, yeah. I love that it's already there. Right. <laughs> and if, if, if Lucho is saying it out loud, that's what the entire team feels. That's yes. like that's the captain being like, we hate these assholes. <laughs> we absolutely. Also, we also talked about this as well, that um, this was the first time in a match that I can ever remember the Bailey being asked to tone the profanity down over the loudspeaker, <laughs> which that was incredible. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I know Johnny Bench can make that happen. I didn't know Fox <laughs> Sports can make that happen. Um, yeah, the but Johnny like, Bench is a deep cut. I love it. <laughs> but, the, but yeah, being because well, there were, what was it? It was it. Fuck you, Frankie. And then fuck the Red Bulls. And then the PA announcer immediately comes on and is we need to keep this as a family friendly atmosphere. Yeah. We need to not. We decided that the other thing that needs to come back is, and this is really specific to if you watched pro wrestling in the mid to late 1990s, whenever Vince McMahon would get on camera, the entire crowd in unison would start chanting, asshole, asshole. <laughs> that, we need to bring that back at TQL Stadium for people like Frankie Amaya, John Tolkien, all these 
scumbags and assholes of whom there are many <laughs> out there in MLS. We we that I understand they don't want the hard F on TV. I get it. But I think asshole, we can strike. We can strike that as a balance that like Fox, you're going to have to let the Bailey be the Bailey a little bit on this one. Yeah. I, although I will point out the game was on Fox Sports one. The FCC, the federal communication, the other FCC, they do not levy fines for anything on cable cable your basic cable programming is allowed full nudity and is allowed full profanity they don't out of their own volition that is their own choice there is there is no government that is going to issue them a fine this was a concern uh, allegedly uh, as we've heard from fcc's front office in the star 64 days because that was truly over the air. And broadcasting profanity over the air would indeed get you a fine from the FCC, uh, which allegedly they either were threatened with or did in fact pay one time. I, I cannot vouch for that. These are things I've heard whispers of. But Fox Sports 1, at worst they'd lose sponsors, and let's be real, um, nobody's watching. MLS playoffs on Fox Sports One. So um, I don't know. One very angry mom who is very upset at what she heard on the TV. And she's going to write a very sternly worded letter to all the sponsors as to how you can sponsor this kind of filth. Right. Uh, Just incredible. I I loved that the PA came on. That was that was that was awesome. Uh, I did also appreciate whoever did this one. Uh, some family-friendly noise, I think, was the first chant back after the uh, after the the PA yelled at him. So nice, well done. I appreciated that. <laughs> Whatever. It was eight o'clock on a oh. Sunday. Nobody had their kids at this game. If you had your kids at this game, they you knew what you were getting into. Yeah. <sighs> Porkopolis. Uh, no, because it's Gotham. Okay, I'm trying. I'm saying I'm back on the name again. Right. We got Taylor Ham and Geta. There's got to be something here. <laughs> so there's something here. <laughs> there's a. There's a. I mean, the real Galaxy Brain move would also make it a New Jersey Cincinnati oh, rivalry. I almost feel like it has to be New Jersey, other than New York. Like whatever you're referencing, the name, the the reference point that you're 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 using. I don't know, but it's got to be New Jersey as the the reference. So mm. Taylor Ham's a good shot, though. Although, ta- like, honestly, Taylor Ham is delicious. Right. If you like, we if there is one thing I could change about breakfast around here, there needs to be more uh, more embrace of the Taylor Ham and egg sandwich here in Cincinnati. Ooh. It's so good. Yeah i I don't know how anybody can be from Cincinnati and have the audacity to talk shit about other people's regional cuisine. And that's not to say like ours is terrible and we don't have any room to talk. I just mean, aren't you annoyed when people talk shit about Skyline and you're like, it's pretty good. And also like, it's kind of xenophobic. The deeper you go in on your hate, apply that everywhere, guys. It's the dumbest thing to get mad at people for having culture. (laughs) Oh, well. Try the haggis when you go to Scotland. You yes. won't be disappointed if you yeah. like get it in Skyline. You won't like any place you go. If there's a local delicacy, it must be pretty decent if people eat it all the time. We all have the same taste buds right. as human beings, like for the most part. If it is something widely eaten in an area of the world, it's probably for a reason. It's probably pretty good. Right now, of course, there's always like 
what I would consider prank foods. Right? It's like that's it tor- the tourist trap food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's dumb. <laughs> you're th- then you're just being you're being conned. Right, right. Don't do that. So yeah, give it if they're if they're genuinely eating it, give it an honest shout, and don't make fun of people for this stuff. That's just like the dumbest thing. It makes you look dumb. That's why I'm saying don't make fun of it. Um, God, I really want to solve this this name thing. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, no uh, game well, ends. We're not gonna get. Nice we're not gonna get it tonight. We're not. I I will. Yeah. I will admit <laughs> the the monster versus Red Bull. <laughs> no, please don't. Yeah, please, please don't. Please stop. <laughs> um, Chief, is there anything else to talk about with the game itself? I think we've run the well dry. Pretty good game. No yeah, complaints, no game. notes. This is this is it's not exactly how I drew it up. It's better than how I drew it up. Yeah. I uh, didn't get a chance to embarrass myself on the podcast before, but I did throw it in the Discord, so I will mention it now, just so everybody knows. I'm a man of integrity. I said we'd win in penalties after a 2-2 draw, so that's that's where my head was at going into this one. (laughs) Um, So perfect. All right. Uh, Chief, let's head on over to part two, where we are going to do uh, what I guess I'll describe as an FCC news roundup, sort of uh, large takeaways uh, from this game in terms of personnel and then some other news and tidbits that have come out uh, around uh, the time of this game. And that'll be an episode. So uh, catch everybody over in part two. This episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code, the post Cincy, for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. We are back and Chief, I, I, I don't know that we've spoken about this before, but unless something changes, this is our last episode Sponsored by the Empanadas Box. Hmm. A salute to the Empanadas Box. They've been true soldiers through this. Um, still remarkable that anybody <laughs> wants to, to advertise with us. And um, yeah, huge shout out to everybody who sends us uh, pictures of their pregame snacks and uh, everything else. I absolutely love it. And again, just because you may not hear uh, an ad on them uh, or an ad from them coming up here, please continue to sponsor them. They're awesome guys. Uh, really yeah. hoping that they become an uh, integral part of the uh, the FC community. So 
huge shout out to them it's been awesome good guys they hopped on at the exact wrong time as fc cincinnati's <laughs> game stopped meaning anything but hey hopefully we'll get a playoff bump for them so give those yeah. guys some love continue to eat at the empanadas box uh you should eat there not because they sponsored us it's because the food is genuinely delicious so sh <laughs> the sponsorship should mean nothing it's really really good food it genuinely genuinely is I, I i i've mentioned this before i've managed to turn it into a regular spot uh for work lunches in our office so um no awesome guys awesome food there i wanted to make sure that they got a a proper farewell I, they may not be gone forever i just right. I'm not we good just, at checking emails, so, you know. We're, we're also, <laughs> we also have severe imposter syndrome, so the idea of them, like, if we reached out and said, hey, do you want to keep this going? Well, that's an unfathomable concept. Why would they want to do that? They are probably embarrassed that their name is mentioned on this yeah. podcast regularly. Yeah, they listened and they were like, comic book talk? Why the hell are we sponsoring a comic book podcast? Who okayed this? Some, somebody's nephew is getting slapped in the back of the head by their, by their uncle, I'll tell you that much. Um, now, here we are. We are talking uh, FC Cincinnati News Roundup. Chief, there's a hundred different ways we could go with this one, but I'll start with uh, sort of building off of the game on Sunday. I almost said Saturday. Old old habits die hard. We did not see a uh, Nick Haglin in this 18, was it, in, in the lineup on the bench. We did not see Alvis Powell on the bench. What do we make of this? Where's our panic level going into Saturday? Uh, not high, but I reserve the right to change that if for some reason, <laughs> you know, yellow card accumulation for Matt Miazga starts to be a thing specifically because sure. the center back depth with Nick Hagland and we don't know the full extent of any of the injuries, but uh, Laurel Failer tweeted today an update on this Nick Hagelin where she seemed to indicate that they think that that injury might be a little more severe and mm. the word, the, the season ending vibes were thrown out there, which would not be great just from a depth perspective and just from a, you know, you, you like having that safety blanket of a Nick Hagelin on the bench. If something happens to one of your center backs or one of them gets suspended, they all play very physically. Um, yes. Mascara, Murphy, and Miazga are all very, very physical players. And you could see a suspension possibly being a problem, but I don't know. It's too early to panic on that front. For me, the the bigger panic, not panic, but like I would like to see some progress from Santiago Arias mm -hmm. because I do feel like they're going to need Santiago Arias if they want to really beat some of these teams once you get into single elimination play. I, I don't relish going up against a team like a Columbus or an Orlando without Santiago Arias in the lineup, or even Philly for that matter. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there for sure. I think <clears throat> the one thing that gives me hope on these injuries, I mean, yeah, the, the Haglin part is awful. And if he truly you know is out for the rest of the season based off an injury picked up in training that's awful that that yeah, is for, such for a all that he's for all that he suffered like yeah. the bad times he played through to now it's 
to not be on the field or even have the opportunity to compete in this moment for this team at this level of success is just it's it it's genuinely gutting for him yeah. personally. I mean, he films the video that was oh. just an incredible hype video talking about how much he loves the city. He's from here. This yeah. clearly means a ton to him. And I just I hope against hope that he's OK and that he can contribute meaningful minutes and is healthy for the rest of this run. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if it is something that he is able to bounce back from. Um, here's here's the good news. A win on Saturday means we don't have to play a game three, which would have happened the following weekend, uh, November 11th. Then there's an international break, and then it's Thanksgiving, which means we won't have to play for like three and a half weeks after Jeez. after Saturday. So this format sucks. This playoff it, format sucks. I, we've already talked about it, but yeah. just it can't be said enough. This sucks. So there's the chance that FCC, sure, shorthanded on defense, takes care of business on Saturday and has almost a month for these guys to recover and come back. And like I said, I don't know the extent of Nick's injury. And if it's devastating, that is devastating. Uh, but if it is something he can come back from, um, and Arius We've heard from a, I don't know, I'll say an inside source. I don't know how reliable it was. Uh, but somebody mentioned that he uh, was pretty close to being approved for this game and they expect him back on Saturday. So hopefully that's the case. Um, but it certainly feels like that this this lineup against Red Bull, again, uh, in New Jersey, should be able to win. And we might not need them. We'll see him after Thanksgiving. Bring him, bring him back then. So the one interesting thing it does do, though, is no Arias and no Haglin does mean that Powell is your first sub for both center backs and outside backs, which necessarily means Ray Gaddis is your starter. Maybe Brett Halsey is your starter. But that is probably why you saw Ray Gaddis starting in this one. And I would expect that to be the case unless Arias is able to come back against Red Bull on Saturday. But at this point, three nothing. I don't think you risk it. I don't know. I think that the the I think that you have to play this game on Saturday as if it's an elimination game, and you have to treat this game these games as if they're winner take all games from this point forward. Yeah. I just don't think that you you want to give New York life and you don't want to give New York a way back into this series or to feel like they have a way back into this series. I think that you have got to go to New York or New Jersey with a thought of we feel the absolute best team we possibly can. Um and our goal is to stomp the life out of them and we'll take our time off. I don't I don't want to come back needing to win that game at TQL Stadium in two weeks because you know that is just going to be a a soulless schlog of an affair and they will do everything possible to make that a miserable game experience. I mean, hell, this game on Saturday is probably going to be that way from them anyway. Two games of that, I would not want to risk chance because by virtue of the three nothing win, we have now set ourselves up for the nightmare scenario that we described, <laughs> which is the sure big is. win in game one 
two straight nil-nil draws where you uh, lose on PKs and you are eliminated from the MLS Cup playoffs presented by Audi, covered by the postcast, having never conceded a goal from open play. Oh, it really truly is the nightmare scenario and i really appreciated uh grayson pointing that out in the uh, the discord that we have indeed set ourselves up on the uh the nightmare course there um yeah i i just feel like red bull was not a very good team this season they were not a very good team on sunday and yeah, sure. Like let's let's destroy them. I I am not opposed to that whatsoever. I just don't want to risk, you know, able-bodied players uh versus what looks like Philly uh later on down the line. Um But like you said, you, you win this, this game, yeah. you've got you've got weeks off. That's true. So it's future true. it's future use problem. <laughs> there, there is a lot you sort of unlock by uh uh, getting that or winning that time off there um so yeah so that was that was definitely a concern uh going into this one or not going into it but having seen the lineup uh there chief based on what you saw on sunday and what we are barely able to know behind the scenes do we think bupenza starts in new jersey it's a hell of a question because Don Baji had a great game. But it's not that Bupenza had a bad game, but no, although he did get carded like within 30 seconds of coming on the damn field. Immediately. I I thought I don't hate it, it either. was a bullshit I know you, yellow, but yeah, it, I don't it hate did look it. like it. I don't hate it. I was happy. It's good. These guys yeah. deserve it. Do something like that. Yep. Uh that's a hell of a question. I my instinct on this would be that you ride what worked so well in the first game is that you put Don Baji back out there. Mm-hmm. A, because I think he may have sufficiently pissed off New York to the point where he might bait them into doing something incredibly stupid and going yes. down a man. That yes. would be awesome. But also, I I do like the physicality that Baji offers in high press i think that he i think that he plays defense better than bapenza does right now as well so i like that in terms of the type of high pressing ball winning style they are looking to play i think he does that he and vasquez together are quietly very effective at that secondary press um and secondary ball winning on the transition in the offensive uh third so I, I tend to think, yeah, you play him. I wouldn't hate it, though, if they put Bapenza out there and they ran the opposite, though. I, I yeah. just he's a massive talent. And the the name of the game when you play New York is you got to you got to score goals and get them out of their their sets and get them uncomfortable. And yep. your best option to score goals is probably Aaron Bapenza. Yeah. Yeah. And probably not a major concern, but something to think about at the very least. Um, uh, Bupenza has a yellow card and neither Vasquez nor Baji do. So if, if you are keeping an eye towards accumulation, uh, maybe you try to see if you can get another game with Bupenza without getting a yellow card. Um, let me throw a curveball at you. And I know he had an incredible pass to set up Barrio's first one, but 
Yuya Kubo over Junior Moreno? No. Is it a dumb thought? No. <laughs> Junior You're Moreno. Not going for it. Okay. God, you know what? <laughs> let me let me stand up. He had a a mediocre game, I thought. Okay. But let me stand on the table here a little bit for Junior Moreno. Please. As just steady. Yes. Unremarkable. Um, I half think he dyed his hair blonde just because he was sick of not being noticed as a integral part of this team this year. He had a mustache too, yeah. Yeah, no, like this is a man that is crying out for recognition of the fact that he is just a solid, very normal, very functional MLS player Yes, in a league where winning and losing depends on you identifying solid, functional MLS players. And the other thing, too, is that, like, look, I know that a lot of people, there's a lot of love out there for you, Kubo. Yes. And he's also, he's played his role really well this year. But we have seen that less is more with you, Kubo, as far as I'm concerned. That when mm. he is given an enhanced or an elevated role, if, if, like, he gives you X number of value if he plays for 20 minutes. If he plays for 70 minutes, he still gives you X number of value. The X doesn't get <laughs> multiplied with the increased playing time. He's just right. it's the old joke about like full the the fullback in the offense. If it's uh fourth and one and you need a yard, he's gonna get you a yard. If it's third and three and you need three yards, he's gonna get you a yard. It's just yes. <laughs> that's what Yuyu Kubo is right there. It's no knock, but I, I just I would rather have the known commodity of what Junior Moreno is going to offer. Versus what I think is a little bit more of a volatile instrument in Yuyakubo. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. It's just, again, can't help but think the thoughts every time he comes in and he looks incredible. And then you're like, oh, man, if only we could get a whole game of this. <laughs> but we never do. That's the thing is it's always right. just tantalizingly <laughs> out of reach with Yuyakubo. Whatever you think that there is, it's just it's never going to be here. Yeah. Oh, man. So true. Yeah. Sucks. Um, I, this brings yeah. me no joy to say this. No, it's true. And we need that. Like, we need the spark off the bench late in games. Like, it, they can't all be like for like subs and, you know, just doing their best. Like, he genuinely is a spark. And you do have someone like Sergio Santos, who, yeah, hasn't been scoring a lot of goals, but is still stupid fast and right. can cause chaos in the back line. So. But, and here's the other problem with starting Yu Yakubo. And I think it was Grayson that brought this point up way earlier in the year, and it kind of changed my opinion of the Yu Yakubo situation. And that's that if you are up two goals and looking to see off a game, Yuya Kubo is your first option off the bench in the midfield to move to a more defensive setup. Mm -hmm. If you are chasing a game down a goal and you need something to spark the team in order to get things moving, Yuya Kubo is also your first move <laughs> off, the, uh, off the bench playing a more offensive setup. So no matter what your situation you're going to find yourself in late in a game, your best option is Yuya Kubo. So why limit yourself by already having him on Man. the field? Just realize this makes Alvis Powell the Yuya Kubo of the defense because he's your first alternate for either wingback spot is the first alternate for center backs. And yeah, you, Kubo is your first alternate in the midfield and probably your first alternate up top as well. So those two are indispensable. And I bet if you'd ask 
Chris Albright, if he could clone those two and just have, you know, one more of each, he'd take you up on it because right. they offer you that versatility for sure. Yuya Kubo at half price would be one of the most valuable commodities in MLS. He's just yeah. overpaid re- related to the role that he fills on the team. Yeah. And that's ultimately always the concern. I've told people that too. Like, oh man, like just imagine what this team can do without you, Yakuba. And they're like, oh, but I love you. It's like, yeah, me too. Is he worth three or four times as much as Junior Moreno? No, no, no. he's not. <laughs> um, but we, but you know what? Yeah. We're never going to have to ask the question what life's like without you, Yakuba, no, because we as we know, Lifetime guaranteed employment. <laughs> He's here as long as you're here. That's, that's it. <laughs> you, Yakubo, the player you grow old with. <laughs> and so be it, you know? You, right. We could have picked a worse player, I guess, to have the perpetual option for. So <laughs> it could have been Tyler Blackett all or these Kamahilo years. Makocho. We just were stuck with him for all of time. Oh, man. Maybe that's why they bought him out. <laughs> maybe all these guys have, maybe Vermeer had the perpetual option too. Maybe like all these buyouts are just getting rid of the contracts that Nightcamp signed that are lifetime deals. I'd really like to think that like they were fine contracts, but just somebody messed up the option language where they were supposed to be mutual options and they just forgot to write like, and the team in the sentence and it just went overlooked. Or, or, <laughs> It, there was a blank, le- like they left too much space in when the number, like, you know, like, this is a really yes. dated reference. Yes. So kids, there used to be these <laughs> things called checks. And when you wrote a check out, they taught you that you have to write like lines through various parts, because if you leave blank space, some unscrupulous fellow could start to write more numbers or more zeros in the blank to increase the value of the check. I know it's shocking that just a pen <laughs> can be an instrument of forgery like this, but you know, is what it is. Maybe like the problem was, is on his contract, they had written in one year of player options and his agent just wrote another one next to it and wrote 11, 11 years, 11 years of options. Nobody noticed the, uh, the final revision that they sent back over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, well, on a slightly different note, although still about numbers, what do we make of the first home playoff game not selling out? It looked full enough. We've certainly see, seen way worse crowds through this game one around MLS, but it is something funny about this not selling out, and I'm happy to chalk it up to rain and weather but i am of the opinion that the team might have priced themselves out of a sellout chief what say ye i mean it was a somewhat of a perfect storm in terms of you know rain pun intended of it's a late evening kickoff on a sunday that's a school night and a work night so a lot of people you know think twice before Mm -hmm. uh deciding to go out and making a two-hour, three-hour commitment to drive to, attend, and drive home from a sporting event at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night. Uh, the game time was announced absurdly late, like yes. stupidly late. And look, the fan base for this team is primarily, once you get outside the Bailey, it's primarily you know middle-class 
upper middle class people, families, people that need to have childcare if they go out for a night, mm-hmm. need to be able to plan in advance. And, and, you know, giving people less than a week's notice on when the kickoff times are for games was certainly a decision and <laughs> really stupid on the part of MLS. And you could spend an entire podcast talking about how dumb this playoff format is, but I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. going to get into it. Um, the Bengals playing a four o'clock kickoff as well. So who knows how many people decided, you know what? I can stay at home and watch the Bengals and watch FC Cincinnati on TV. That's a thing. The weather, like you said, that's a thing. But yeah, I, I agree with what you said that they, this game was priced strangely because yeah. it's a playoff game, but you know that they're probably going to play another game at home. That the odds of them, no matter what, no matter what happened in this game, there was going to be another playoff game, either because FC Cincinnati loses, um, you know, they're coming back home at some point for the most part. Um, And yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see a compelling reason why playoff tickets for this, for MLS in particular, should be priced at a premium. If tickets are selling at a certain level. None of these cities and none of these teams really have the, the the swag in their marketplace to really mark up tickets. I just don't think, unless it's some sort of a really special occasion, yeah, sell them for what they you pay for on a match day. I don't understand why opening round MLS Cup playoffs that are going to last until December, why this needed to be a premiumly priced event. Or even just like, I don't know, like a 10% increase each round so that by the time you're at the conference finals you're you know you're 10% compounding right like then it kind of makes sense but I mean I am absolutely making this my own personal thing but I bought I bought tickets in the pre-sale because you know I don't have my amazing magical ticket that I had before Uh, I bought a ticket in the pre-sale and uh, (laughs) the afternoon of game from the box office tickets are going for almost a third what i paid so i am a proper sucker for having bought tickets ahead of time for that i will point out i paid for the privilege to have the window that i bought the tickets (laughs) in and was was screwed uh for for being i don't know prompt on that one so that was that was just a very that was uh i don't know left a bad taste in my mouth and i understand yeah i understand dynamic pricing i just i you will never convince me that it is good business to ever take something that you you sold to your most ardent diehard supporters the people that were like yes i don't care when we're playing i don't care what the situation is sign me up for playoff tickets i'm opting into playoff tickets and then undercutting those people on price i just i don't and look i i also i i understand rationally that there have been games this year where by being virtue of being a season ticket holder, I paid less than what market value was for my ticket. I get that. I'm a dirty capitalist. I understand supply and demand. <laughs> I understand how this works out. Having said that, it just is a bad look that I paid 
whatever it was, 50 bucks, I think, for a Bailey ticket for this game. Yeah. And I could have gotten in for 20, 30 bucks on the secondary market or even the primary market. I think the team was selling direct from the box office for in this game. It's yeah. just, it's, don't do it. Or do yeah. something. If you're going to do that, do something to at least acknowledge to your fans that you understand, hey, we appreciate that you spent your full price money coming to this game. Here's a voucher for a free beer at the next game. Like just right. a token that lets me understand that you know that your dynamic pricing model screwed people that are your best customers. Right. Because the – like. You get to the point, and I always felt this about, like, especially baseball tickets. Like, unless in your town, the baseball team has a sellout every single night of every single home game, you are a moron for getting season tickets. You're just an absolute moron. There's no point. There's no point. Just, it's a ballpark, man. Like, there are certainly better seats and worse seats, but like you're just sitting there for the vibes and just chilling out. This is spoken and, like a true non-baseball fan, incidentally, and I'm loving this. Oh, I mean, look, you, everybody sits up in what I'll call the red seats going back. No, going back. not everybody sits in the red seats. Some people no. actually like to sit in decent seats for but a this ball This is game. my point. This is my point. You sit up in the red seats. You scream at the umpire for getting balls and strikes wrong. That's always my all-time <laughs> favorite. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, sure, you could get closer, but guess what you can do? You can buy the closer tickets whenever you want, man. Like, they don't sell out. It's pretty easy. Just go buy the $50 tickets. You don't need to buy all 80 of them. You don't even need to buy a package of them. That's making a pretty big bet on your future life that you're going to be available for every single game. And look, if FCC season tickets aren't going to guarantee you at a minimum the cheapest ticket that the box office is going to offer. Why are you getting season tickets, guys? You just buy them whenever you want. Sir, like, <laughs> then I can have my seat. I can go to my seat. I can st sit in my seat. That is sure. that is mine. That is my property. If someone else is sitting there, they must leave immediately because that is the ticket that I have for the entire season. I have a season of tickets in this seat. It belongs to me. And there's a pride in knowing that that seat is mine. I think that there should be a little plaque on there for you when you buy <laughs> hey, your season ticket. Careful. That's uh, personal seat licenses. And we do not <laughs> want that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've sat in almost literally every single section in the stadium. There is not a bad seat. <laughs> Just get whatever seat you can, man. You will have a good time. Obviously, the Bailey is its own beast, but um, outside of that, like first financial versus the cheapest upper deck ticket, there's almost no difference. Yeah, <laughs> Stadium is too no small difference. for that. I agree with you. The, the team, there should be something. Like, if you're going to screw your fans like that with the dynamic algorithm, yeah. the algorithm, there should be a blood sacrifice paid to your fans because, like, yeah. I don't know. How excited are you going to be to opt into the next round knowing that? Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's why they locked you in for the whole playoffs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a sucker. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm a moron who paid and now I don't even have empanadas box money to compensate me for these <laughs> tickets anymore. It's nonsense. Well, I, I'm the moron who paid to get on the list to eventually then buy season tickets. So I offered you a way out and you spurned my offer. I I hope I hope your friend who will go nameless 
appreciates the sacrifice you have made. I will say we we got our money's worth uh, on Sunday, so it was yeah. it was all worth it. And like I told you, there was some bad negotiating that went on at the end of this process. <laughs> I know, man. I, and again, I, I had season tickets before the year of 2016. So my priority at one point, pretty nice. Yeah, pretty, not so much. Not nice. so much anymore. Uh, Chief, is there anything else we want to touch on? I, there were like 15 other things we threw out there, but I, I'll, I'll let you pick where we go next year. Uh, I do think it's worth mentioning. Um, so after this match, I, like I said, there are some matches that you go to and you're just like, I, I need to get a drink. This yeah. is too hype. I want to sit and I want to talk about what just happened. So I wandered up to one of my local watering holes here in the greater Oakley area and this uh, this bar has the MLS season pass. Nice. Always fun. And so when I walked in, they, the Sunday night football game was rather bad. So we flipped over to St. Louis versus Sporting Kansas City. Nice. And let me just ask the question <laughs> here. If, if that is the team with the MLS coach of the year running the show, <laughs> don't you think they should do a little better than I think being the only home team thus far to lose a playoff game? Yeah. And not only as... lose a playoff game, get fucking wrecked in this game. <laughs> it was a non-competitive affair. At least as of time of recording, uh, that is indeed the case that they're the only home team to have lost and actually just checking the uh, the early game as we recorded now the home team won that one imagine yeah. that and the yeah. home team is up in the final game here that we have a chance to comment on um yeah pat newton know, could pat newton could never you know what else would be pretty embarrassing if you had a goalkeeper that people were trying to argue should be MVP, let alone goalkeeper of the year, give up four to yeah. an eight seed. <laughs> and not just an eight seed. Like Sporting Casey was bad the majority of this year. Like yeah. they got just hot enough to sneak into that last playoff spot. They're objectively bad. Um, there's been rumblings all year that, that that Vermees might be on his way out or it might be time for them to find some new leadership because he's been there since the, the earth cooled in terms of <laughs> – I think he was managing there when it was the whiz. I have no other thing to back that up, but it feels like he's been it there for that right. long. Yeah. It feels right, <laughs> which is more important than being right. And they yeah. dog walked St. Louis last night. It like wasn't particularly close. It was no. great. It was lovely watching. <laughs> lovely watching that that stadium slowly and sadly empty out. So mm. I'm just throwing it out there that, you know, maybe it's time that we offer uh, a one-time mulligan on if you vote for someone in one of these year-end awards and they are so god-awful in the first playoff game that it causes you to reevaluate. I feel if that was the case, Pat Noonan would be a, a mortal lock for coach of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully the the league has been known to let's say rig things right. to move some some fake numbers around. We, we take truckloads yeah. of ballots in, more ballots arriving. How did so many ballots for Pat Noonan arrive after the polls had already closed? It would be 
hilarious if they released vote totals and for some reason coach of the year had like twice as many votes right. cast. If you watch the surveillance <laughs> video, you can see people dropping bags <laughs> off at the tables. Where are those bags coming from? Uh, it was how many meals? 2,000 <laughs> 2,000 mules. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely love, love that. I will say, though, if, if FC Cincinnati is going to make MLS Cup final, I feel it down in my heart of hearts. They are destined to meet Houston. I think that's where I've settled. Like that is the storyline to me that like wraps up the season nicely. It becomes a beautiful, like poetic version of, of the retelling of the season of the year in MLS and would really be cool because there are two franchises that have been in the pits the last couple of years. People don't realize this when FCC was winning spoons, they were letting Houston off the hook. I think Houston finished like second to last two of those years when we finished. They go last and they hire Ben Olson, and much like when we hired Pat Noonan, boom, they flip flip it around. Yeah, and, and then yeah. that what I love about that too. I think we I talked about it last week was that that's the team we should have played, but yes. for our yes. Argentinian buddy showing up for his one game in the Open Cup. Yeah, should have been us in Houston at TQL Stadium. And, and they won the Open Cup. We won the Supporter Shield. So yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of cool storylines that would be running into that one. So I don't someone's know. Winning, someone's winning the double. That would be a cool. That would be cool. Yeah. It would also mean that St. Louis didn't make it, and it would also mean that Columbus didn't make it. And that's these are things that just <laughs> they spark joy in my cold heart. And it's the team we opened the season with. So it'd yeah. be cool to end the season with them. Um. A, so long, a lot of soccer between now and then. Although I say that, and then I saw this tweet from Tommy G where he said four wins to go, that there's only four wins. <laughs> this team is four wins away from winning MLS Cup. So it's four wins, but it's actually three months. So <laughs> God damn it. Actually, actually. Four wins, five, four wins, five weeks, right? I was joking about three months. It is literally October, November, and the finals in December. <laughs> Six weeks. Yeah, sure. Um, and three named months, though. There we go. Uh, so there you go. Well, yeah, I don't know, Chief. I There's more we can talk about. We'll have a midweek episode, so you'll get your <laughs> Red Bull I, I dare what, I call it a there, preview. What's there left to fucking say? Like, we're going to play the same team again. Run it back. God you got a big preview to offer of Red Bull again. It's like, yeah, they still suck. They still flop a lot. They're still we, kind of annoying. Maybe we'll have a name for the rivalry by then. But what, what the fuck kind of preview are we going to do? Just listen to last week. It's the same damn thing. I love the idea of doing a preview of the Red Bull match and we just play the audio of Tommy G's like highlights package. There's <laughs> your preview. You remember that one? Yeah. yeah. They're doing it again. <laughs> I hate this format. I know all their names now and that really bothers me. I don't want to learn New York player names. But I agree. That is the homework. We need to come up with a name. We want the Discord working overtime on the name of the rivalry. We can we can get there. Again, prefer it to be a New Jersey-based nickname if we are using that in any way, shape, or form, but won't discriminate against a good name. Ugh. Get it done. Yeah. 
Look, we named Gary, folks. We can right. name a rivalry. Can... <laughs> the rivalry's name is Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can work the same magic twice. No, shit. Uh, no, it's got to be, uh, it's got... Or, oh, you know what would be fun? If they had fans, ooh, this is where we can get Auxilia 1 involved. Right. We do need to come up with, like, a really dumb trophy. A really dumb trophy. Yeah, like the yeah. Civil Conflict-style trophy. Yeah. No, I was just trying to think, is there another character from Mass Effect that we can name this rivalry after? The Talia Cup. Let's go, baby. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> no, everyone knows Liara is best girl. <laughs> and on that note, fuck Columbus. <laughs>